A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we have a nuclear revenge story of making a friend sick. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my high school bully, Cynthia. My name is Angela. I've always been bullied since the first day I was admitted into high school, as the other students were well off, but I overcame them completely. My story really is not all that complex, but to allow you to understand where I'm coming from and how things played out the way they did, I have to take you right back to the very beginning. I come from a family of three, and being the third born, I've been blessed with the privilege of having two amazing brothers, whom I love with the entirety of my being. They meant the world to me, as growing up around them, they taught me what it really meant to be loved by family. You could say I never lacked in that aspect, the aspect of family love, and another aspect we most definitely did not lack in was financially. Seeing as my father was a veteran pilot and considering the nature of his work, he was rarely ever at home, but whenever he could, he would always try his possible best to come back home, and my mother also was a nurse in the general hospital in our general area and she too was also almost never home, seeing as she had to be available in the hospital almost every time. And the only time she was ever really at home, she didn't really have the luxury of doing anything at all, as the only thing she did, on most of her days off, was to get as much rest as possible, seeing as she would need it for her next shift. Looking at this, I guess that you could say that we were not lacking financially, considering how much both my parents pulled from their jobs and all, but the only thing I did not receive from them was just their constant presence, love, and affection while growing up. And what I lacked at the time, my two brothers tried their possible best to provide and fill in for both of my parents however best that they could, and I truly appreciate them for that. Following the fact that I've always had brothers that have been overprotective of me and my general well-being overall, I'm still unbothered by this fact and I most definitely still have my freedom and privacy too. Even at some point, there was nothing I could not tell the both of them, as they'd been my closest confidants right from the beginning. And following the events that unfolded about a few weeks ago, I have ingrained it deep in my brain, to always, forever, and take my brother's words of advice seriously. It all started when I was in college. In my school, I was always the object of bullying by the other popular and well-off kids in my school, mostly in my grade. Personally, I've never for once paid any attention to anyone in the school, and seeing as to them, I was still seen as a major target for their bullying, it just went to prove my point even more. Which was that they obviously had parental issues, and they were obviously not loved at home, and then they saw it fit to come over to school and avert upon those that they consider below or weaker than themselves, all the frustrations and anger that they have gotten right from home. I guess at one point, it became obvious to me that they had had problems at home and I could relate, but not on the same level as they were. The main individual, or bully, that really had it out for me at the time was Cynthia, obviously the most popular girl in my grade at the time, mainly because her father held a very high office in the government, and thus the school sought it fit to give her preferential treatment, all so that they could get on the good side of her parents, as both her parents were the main donors to the school. On most occasions, she was always obviously favored by the school and next to every activity that was held, as she was made to represent the school in nearly every external activity that the school was engaging in. 
I personally had an issue with how the school was obviously treating her differently than the others, and the management made little to no attempt at covering their obvious act up, which was still okay on my end too, seeing as everything that was going on did not have a direct effect on me. However, when things started to get interesting was when it involved the inclusion of a boy. It was in my third year in the school, I was in my penultimate year, as my time at the school was already coming to an end slowly but surely. And coming my graduation, I'd already made a list of things that I'd already planned to do just before I graduated. A bucket list of some sorts, of which I'd already completed about 60% of the things I'd put on the list. The only item on my list that was seeming to pose a problem of some sorts to me was the last on my list, which was to make out with my crush before the end of my high school life. I knew this was next to impossible and I just added it on the list to complete the total number of items, but when I got to the last part, I realized that after having a whole lot of time to myself and allowing myself to be the object of the majority of students' bullying, I decided it was time for a change of things. So I decided that every time I was faced with a situation where I was obviously going to be bullied, I would confront my adversaries. I must admit that at first, I was unsuccessful. I was nearly beaten, if not for the fact that I immediately surrendered, but I thought this was utterly pathetic of me, and so I sought from help from my brothers to educate me as briefly as they could on the basics of self-defense. As my first brother was a frequent visitor of the gym, he was ecstatic, as I guess this was something he'd always wanted to do, and within a month, I guess you could say I went through enough training to take care of myself. As the following week, after heading back to school, the same scenario had presented itself before me, where I was being bullied and I was presented with the choice of either stepping up for myself right then and there or submitting to them as if to test me, to which I went with the first option, by defending myself and fighting them off. And I guess at the first instance, they most definitely did not get the message, as more people, or students in this case, were still sent to bully me, but still, I fought them off. And I guess this really made my point because right after this, I was never picked on by other students, but I could most definitely feel their glares on me every single day, to which I paid them little to no attention. My issue, however, was with Cynthia and her clique. I guess she felt like I was more of a threat than she could have realized, as when she realized that, I'd already broken free from my bullies. She had at the time began to take notice of me as a means of trying to keep me in check. Because right after I decided to complete my bucket list and after facing the reality of not having a single person to which I found attractive, all of a sudden we had a new transfer student, a boy. His name was Oliver. He had just recently transferred to our school, all the way from Australia, and with his utterly stunning and jaw-dropping looks, you could most definitely say that he instantly became as popular as Cynthia in the entire school mainly because of the fact that he was insanely tall, handsome, brilliant, and to top it all off, he was a transfer student all the way from Australia. I mean, of course he would be popular in an instant. And right as he had just gotten in the school, Cynthia, of all people, had her sights set on him. And I don't know why, but at this moment, every single person that was fawning over him on his arrival had suddenly lost all interest, but I did not. And I don't know if it's a coincidence or something of the sorts, but the following week after school, while we were on our way back home, Oliver chased me down all the way from the school gate as he wanted to return my notebook that I'd apparently forgotten in our last class. 
I was really stunned as at that moment I had absolutely nothing in my mind and nothing to say at that moment. I just stammered for a bit before finally thanking him and then he commented my looks and asked if he could get my number as he found me attractive and he just thought he could get to know me better to which I didn't even hesitate for even the slightest bit. Right after giving him the number, he thanked me and promised to text me once he got home. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. And he left, immediately as his route home was in the opposite direction. When I got home that evening, I waited for his text, and I didn't even have to wait for long as he kept to his promise. And he'd already texted me, and we got talking. To cut the long story short, about a month after we had started talking, he came out in the open with his true feelings for me, and I did the same. And that was the moment we became official. But I guess news like this was poison for Cynthia, because the moment news of our relationship got to her ears, she sought it only right to try everything in her power to break us up, by all and every means possible. At one point she even confronted me by dragging me to a secluded area during our lunch break, as she tried threatening me by saying that she had the means to make my remaining time in the school, and even my life, a living heck, and that if I knew what was good for me and my family, I would try my best to stay away from her man, as she put it. I decided that the best thing I could do right there was to walk away, as she was already sounding delusional, but I soon realized that she was not playing around, as every single one of my grades had already gone down by a whopping 65%, and I was put on probation, as if I did not show signs of improvement, the school was going to drop me. I felt really bad as it seemed like there was nothing I could do since she had the entire school management in her fingertips. When I got home that evening, and for the next few days, my brothers noticed that I was not my usual self. 
as they even walked in on me crying to which I had no choice but to tell them. While I was telling them everything that had happened at school, right from the bullying to recent events, my eldest brother Ethan asked me just one simple question and told me to give him a yes or no response. He asked if he should take care of things, and he left my room. I spent the whole night thinking of whether or not I should get back at her through my brothers, and finally I decided to go through with it, and by the next morning, I gave my brother a response, and by the end of the week, as if it were magical, the principal called me to my office and apologized for the error in my results, and I received a very sincere apology in front of the whole school from Cynthia as she asked for forgiveness. I was surprised. I never knew what my brother did, but am I glad I told him yes. From that day on, Cynthia never thought to bother me ever again. Now, I have no idea what this brother might have done either. I'm going to bet it's probably some kind of veiled threat. I'm just surprised with somebody that has that many connections, is rich, is well off, that they actually took it seriously and didn't just double down. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy nuclear revenge stories, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, industry pollutes my town, so I burn their factory. I've lived in my hometown my entire life. Well, for as long as I can remember, I wasn't born there. My parents moved from the city when I was little. According to what I was told, my dad was a portfolio manager at a hedge fund company. When he quit, he bought a farm in the country and that's where we lived ever since. My dad died when I was six, so I didn't know him that well. My mom fell sick as soon as I graduated from college, and even though I had plans to stay in the city for a while, I had to come home to take care of her. She died three years later, and being the only child, I was all alone in the house. Even though I had plans to build a career in healthcare, I had to let go of that to take care of the farm. The alternative was selling it off, but that was the one thing my dad was proud he owned. I couldn't not take care of it. As the years passed by, I came to love the country life. The town was nice and quiet. There were a lot of good people there, which was different from the city. As much as I loved the city life, the people were unfriendly and straight out rude. Everything was so fast paced, and even when you're doing everything, it still feels like you're missing out on something. It's different in the country. My town is close knit. Everybody knows everybody and is warm to new people. I love the fact that it's disconnected from the city and sometimes it feels like it's a different world on its own. Yeah, sure, it gets boring sometimes, but in time, I've learned to love that part of it too. Besides that, the countryside was really beautiful, especially my town. We had this meadow which stretched on forever. It had beautiful flowers and butterflies. It looked like a visual representation of what I thought heaven would look like. Another part of town had a lake that glistened under the bright rays of the afternoon sunlight. It was hands down one of the best sights in the whole area. My slice of paradise was perfect. Note that I used the verb was. It didn't stay like that forever. Everything changed when a big factory decided to settle in town. It all started three years ago when I came back from the city after a successful sale of some of my farm produce. I drove past a farmland that had been on sale for some time. I actually had my eye on the place because I was thinking of expanding once I had enough money to spare, but that day, I noticed that the for sale sign was no longer there. At first, I thought the wind had blown it off somewhere, so I parked my van to check it out, but there was nothing. No sign of the signpost. No pun intended. I came home and the first thing I did was to go over to my friend, Alex's home. I told him about the missing sign and asked if we should notify the owners of the land. They didn't live in town, so they couldn't know that the signpost had been removed. 
That was when Alex told me that the sign had been purposely removed. The owners had found a buyer and sold it. I was so disappointed. I didn't know how much I wanted that land till it was gone. On the bright side, it meant that we were soon going to have a new family in town. At least, this is what I thought, till three weeks later, some men in suits came to look the land over. They didn't look anything like country people or like people that would have any interest in farming. This was when I started to get skeptical. I talked to Alex and some other friends about this and they told me not to worry too much about it, so I didn't. Over the next few months, construction started on the land. Before this, I held on to the hope that the people I saw that day were agriculturally oriented people and that I'd gotten it wrong. But as the construction became ongoing, I knew it had nothing to do with making food. For the second time, I talked to my friends about it, and for the second time, they said it was fine, so I stopped talking about it. Still, I held my suspicion to heart. It took a total of one year and six months to complete the factory, and even at that, I still had no idea what was going to be produced there. When the factory was ready, they did a swift launch party, and less than a week later, they got down to business. I was right. I was still unsure about what kind of factory it was, but I was sure that it wasn't anything that had to do with food. During the weekdays, the air started to smell very bad. At first, I thought something died in my house or farm. But even when I went to Alex's, it was even worse. That was when I figured it out. Alex's house was closer to the factory than mine was, which meant that the smell was coming from there. We decided to take a drive to check out the factory. As soon as we got there, we were shocked by what we saw. The exhausts overhead were letting out thick clouds of green smoke. I didn't know what this was, but the one thing I knew was that there was no way clouds like that could be good for the environment. That was the first day I saw something like that, but not the end. It happened like that almost every weekday. Clouds of green smoke are expelled into the sky and the air becomes unbreathable. I knew that in time, smoke like that would eventually make people sick, and something had to be done about it. At first, I tried talking to the people in charge of the factory. I paid them a visit on Tuesday, requesting to speak to whoever was in charge. I didn't even get past the gate as the security guard wouldn't let me in. This happened two times, and soon enough, I decided to re-strategize. They wouldn't listen to me because I'm just one person. I decided to talk to some of the farm owners into going with me to the factory. This was difficult because these guys didn't see the importance of going to confront them. They had the mentality that there was nothing they could do. And besides, the factory was far away from their farms, so they weren't really getting affected. Alex and I, along with some other people, were getting the brunt of it. But after some persuasion, they decided to join us. We all rallied to the factory and demanded to speak to the managers. This time, the security guards had to take me seriously. They called the managers and even when they didn't want to see us, they had to because we weren't going to leave till they showed up. They apologized for the pollution they'd been causing and promised that they were working on a solution to make the industry more town-friendly. They also promised compensation to the townspeople for their efforts and trouble. I knew it was all a lie, but I had to give them the benefit of the doubt, so it wouldn't look like I only came to cause trouble. Days passed after the confrontation, and then weeks, but nothing changed. They didn't make the compensation as promised, and they sure as heck didn't make any changes to their factory. It even became somewhat worse than before, but anytime we complained after that, They'd say they were doing something about it, and construction wouldn't happen overnight. But then weeks turned to months, and nothing was done to check the situation. 
I eventually decided that the only way to check the situation was to do it legally. We decided to sue, hoping that the court would order them to close down the factory or something. But these guys came prepared. They had the best Harvard-trained lawyers who defended them in ways that shocked me. We dragged the case for three months, but eventually the court ruled in their favor. They were asked to pay a fine, but ultimately the factory stayed open. The court explained that as long as the only problem with the exhaust was the smell, and it didn't have any adverse effects on health and plant life, it stayed open. We tried to get an appeal, but by this time, lots of the townspeople were tired of court cases that were yielding nothing. Some people decided to live with it, while some others decided to put up their farmlands for sale so they could move to somewhere else. I couldn't move. The town is my home and I wasn't going to let some capitalist jerks take it from me. So I decided to stay, hoping that the situation was going to get better, but it only got worse. One day, I decided to take a trip to the lake to clear my head as I'd done on countless occasions. I got there and I was shocked to see that there was a truck with the company logo by the side, dumping what looked like toxic waste into the lake. I was horrified. That lake was one of my favorite spots in the town and there they were, ruining it. I decided at that moment that I was going to take them down, whether by hook or crook. I started by taking pictures and videos of the truck and left to show it to the rest of the town. They were also as outraged as I was and they were ready to do something. Some people suggested that we took it to court, but I didn't want to take chances. The last time they took their side, this time I wanted to make sure they felt our pain. I suggested that we burn their equipment and render them unable to operate. Lots of people were skeptical about the plan, but after explaining the entire process to them, they decided to get behind it. We didn't all have to go because we had to make sure to give the investigators a hard time pinpointing who did it. On the night we chose, we decided to throw a party at the local bar and grill so everyone would have an alibi. We had decided that Alex, I, and three other guys were going to carry out the task, and the people at the bar and grill would say we were with them the entire time. That night was a weekend, so the factory wasn't operating, and the personnel on duty would be way less than normal. We got there late at night and we were all wearing plain black clothes and masks so we were unrecognizable. We also decided not to speak so no one would be able to get us with our voices. We used sign language or whispered in the other's ear, took down the security at the gate easily because he was sleeping on duty. The rest was even easier because the factory obviously didn't expect us to fight back. We got to the big machines and Alex, who knew chemistry, worked his magic. He mixed some chemicals which reacted with the metal equipment. We also poured the fuel we brought on the walls and everywhere. Then we made sure to stay clear of the building before making a Molotov cocktail and throwing it into the gas-soaked building. It went up in flames immediately and we left. We made sure to check that there was no one in the building before we did this, so no one was injured. Next, we returned to the party after burning the clothes and equipment we used. When the investigation began on the building, they couldn't pinpoint the people responsible because the town stayed together. I even went ahead to use the pictures and videos I took at the lake to get an appeal, which is currently ongoing. Now, country living sounds nice and all, but if this is the kind of stuff that happens in country life, I guess I would second guess ever settling for that. Our next story is, friend steals my spot on the drama team, so I made him sick. No matter how close you are to someone, I believe that there are boundaries that should be respected. You know what, scratch that. Because you're close to someone, I believe that there are boundaries that should be respected. 
Not all things should be said out loud. In fact, I'm a strong believer in the validity of unspoken rules. Lots of people like to think that when something isn't said or properly defined, it doesn't matter that much. But the fact remains that if something isn't said, it's because it shouldn't be or, rather, doesn't need to be. Nobody needs to tell you to take your bath in the morning. You just know you should because that's a standard that everyone should have. You also don't need to be told to get a job and be responsible for yourself once you're of age. Aside from all this, the standard I hold dear is the fact that you shouldn't seek to hijack something you know your friend loves. Whether it's a friend, a group of friends, an activity, or something like that, when he invites you to take part in that activity or meet that friend, he does it as a gesture of love. You shouldn't go turning it against him. Some people don't understand this, and I'm of the opinion that they need to be taught a lesson. I had this experience with my friend from high school. Let's call him Jasper. Jasper was the definition of loser when I met him. He was the nerd guy with glasses who wore a World of Warcraft t-shirt to school. I wasn't really popular in high school. I was average. Back in high school, everyone had a particular thing. It was a mode of survival and social preservation for us. Some were athletes, jocks, some were cheerleaders. These two were reserved for the cool kids. And if you didn't make the cut, there was quiz club, science glee, and even drama club. And then there are the emo guys. These ones claim not to conform to any of these groups, conveniently overlooking the fact that the emo group is also a group. I was in the drama group. I loved books, art, and literature. I also love my friends in the group. Seriously, it's one of the main reasons why I wake up in the morning excited to go to school. I tell you all this for you to understand why it hurt when Jasper tried to take it all away from me. And then there are the oddballs. People like Jasper who don't belong to any particular class or group. They were the lowest of the low in school, and they usually get picked on and bullied by the jocks and other people. There's usually no one to fight for them, except the teachers, who are always too busy grading papers to pay attention to the mundane parts of school life. The first time I actually noticed Jasper was one day in the school hallway. It was the end of the school day, but I had drama rehearsals. I was chatting with my friends as we walked towards the theater room. That was when I heard a few guys laughing from somewhere behind me. I turned and saw one of the jocks, Eddie, holding Jasper to the locker. Eddie was one of the biggest bullies in school. He was one of the strongest guys in school. But unfortunately, that came with extreme anger issues. He had been suspended for fighting with another student and breaking his nose. He'd also attempted to fight a teacher once, but that didn't end well for him, as the teacher was a black belt in karate. In my opinion, the only reason why Eddie is still on the school football team and still in school is because his dad is rich. He single-handedly handles some of the school's projects, and expelling his son would stop the inflow of money. The crazy thing is that when I saw Eddie holding Jasper, he was asking him for his lunch money. Apparently, Jasper missed a payment earlier that day. What does Eddie need Jasper's lunch money for? I have no earthly idea. Anyways, when Jasper told him he had no money to pay, Eddie became furious. He punched Jasper on the nose and walked away. Jasper fell to the ground and immediately his nose started bleeding. Without thinking, I hurried over to help him. I took him to the infirmary and there he was attended to. I could have walked away after taking him to the nurse, but for some reason I stayed with him. We talked for a moment, and when the bleeding stopped and he was properly bandaged, I escorted him to the bicycle rack where he grabbed his bike and went home. 
That day, I thought deeply about the school system and how it affected the guys who didn't really fit in. The next day, I decided that I was going to make an effort to help Jasper stop being bullied. During lunch break, I was hanging out with my friends at our table when I spotted him in a corner eating alone. I waved to him and walked over to talk to him. I asked him why he always hung out alone. He said that he preferred it that way. It was an obvious lie. Nobody would like to be alone in school. Home? Yeah, I can get behind that. I like my privacy, but school is the only place we can socialize. Why would you want to be alone? I asked him if he wanted to hang out at my table, and he readily agreed. I invited him over and introduced him to the other guys. Relating with Jasper was tough because he was very awkward. I had to do a lot of work just to get him to engage in conversation. After some time, I was just about ready to give up when one of my friends, Michael, mentioned something about World of Warcraft. That was the one thing that helped Jasper get out of his shell. Michael was a passive player of the game, while Jasper was deeply invested. They talked about it for the rest of the lunch period. When it was time to return to class, I asked Jasper what he was doing at the end of the school day, and he said he was going home directly. I told him to hang out with us instead, and he agreed. We stayed back in school, goofing about before moving to a park close to school. After hanging out for a while, we all decided to go our separate ways. Over the next few days, that became our routine, just chilling after school and soon enough, Jasper became comfortable around us. We didn't even have to invite him over before he decided to join our table during lunch. It was almost as though he was already a part of the drama group without actually being a part of the drama group. This changed soon enough. One day at the end of school, Jasper asked if we could all hang out in his place. He just got some new movie collections and he wanted us to check it out. We declined because we had rehearsals that day. We had a performance coming up so we had to rehearse every day. He said okay and left school. The next day he asked again and we gave the same answer and the next day after that. After declining four times in a row, I had to explain the situation to him so he could understand that we were busy and wouldn't be able to hang out as much. When I did, he asked if he could come to our rehearsals. I said sure and he did. He sat in one of the rows watching in awe as we went over our lines. After that day, he came to watch us frequently, and I could tell that he was developing an interest in drama. One day as we walked home together, he asked what the requirements were to join the drama club, and I told him. He explained that he was thinking of joining. Before he started to watch us rehearse, he never thought that drama could be so interesting. I was so happy that he was taking the step, and I was ready to show him the ropes. He joined two weeks later, and he started to rehearse with us. Surprisingly, he was actually good at it, and our coach liked him. He even gave him a role in our upcoming drama performance. It was a small role for a start, while I was the main character. We rehearsed religiously, but then three weeks before the big show, I fell ill. It was so serious that I had to stay home for some time till I got better. During that time, I couldn't come for rehearsal and I still had a lot of things I had to cover before I was ready for the performance. It was a big problem. One the coach had to solve immediately. He called me a few days later and told me that he was giving my role to Jasper. Jasper? He said Jasper knew most of the lines and he could learn the rest in less than a week. He couldn't count on the fact that I'll recover early enough to continue with rehearsals and he didn't want to pressure me. I was so pained because I'd been looking forward to the drama for a long time, and being the main character was like a dream come true for me. I couldn't argue though, the show had to go on even without me in it. A week later, I got better. 
We still had two weeks till the show, so I could meet up if I practiced extra hard. I went to school and told my coach that I was ready to take up my role again. She was happy that I was back in school, but she refused to give me back the role. Her reason? Because Jasper was better at it than I was. Apparently, he'd learned all the lines within the week, and all he had left to do was perform it to perfection. I tried to persuade her further, but she decided that if I was going to get the role back, Jasper would have to decide to give it up. But then I went to talk to Jasper, hoping he'd give me back my role. To my surprise, he refused. He said he'd prepared and it would be inconvenient to drop it now. I couldn't believe my ears. I helped him get into the drama club and he was paying me back by stealing my role. I was distraught. It was a betrayal I didn't think I was going to experience, especially from a friend. I was so pissed to the extent that I decided to get revenge. Jasper couldn't steal my role and go scot-free. I wasn't going to allow it. Over the next few days, I started to think of ways to get back at him. We still hung out like nothing was wrong because I didn't want him to see it coming. Finally, I decided on something. Jasper had a pineapple allergy. It wasn't very serious, but it was enough to get him down for a few days. The day before the big performance, we all got a smoothie. It was a way of celebrating the completion of rehearsals before a big performance. We all placed an order for our preferred smoothie, and I offered to go and get it. One of the girls in the group, Sharon, ordered one with a pineapple blend. Exactly what I expected her to order, because that's the only type of smoothie I've known her to drink since we met. I went to get the drinks, and then I switched the name tags with Jasper's drink. Jasper drank his immediately. It was when Sharon took a sip of hers that she noticed that it wasn't her drink. By this time, Jasper was already developing a stomach ache. By the next day, it had gotten so intense that he couldn't show up to school. I had to take back my role, and thankfully I'd already been practicing by pure coincidence. I know everyone had their suspicions, but they couldn't confront me, because the official story was that it was all a big mix-up. I mean, it's a reasonable enough mistake to make, I suppose. But to some degree, and I feel OP's pain, but isn't the saying the show must go on? In a situation where this guy stepped up, took over the role, and was doing really well in it? It sucks to lose out on the role like that, but isn't that a part of life and also sometimes part of drama club? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.